This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to Screen Talk, a new Warriors weekly podcast. I'm Eric Cohn, joined by my sparring partner, Ann Thompson. And we've got some new movies to talk about this week. One really big new movie that we've been anticipating for a while, which we teased last week, and that is Babylon, which has arrived. And it is as big and unruly and uh, conversation starting as I think we expected. It's Oscar chances. I don't know. Why don't you walk me through that and everything else? Because I don't even know where to begin with this thing. So there was a big, big screening at the Academy Theater, the Goldman Theater, and it's just a big house. And they they packed it with a combination of Academy members and press. And so it sort of had an event feel and they had a big Q&A afterwards. You, You got the same group. Yep, they came to New York a few days later. Brad and Margot and Damien and Gene Smart and, you know, we're all there. And it was, um, for me, the first hour or so of the movie was a giddy uh, ride that I was just absolutely delighted with. I was sitting there with a big smile on my face. And the and the opening of the movie is is fantastic. It's a swirling yeah, camera a, yeah. back canal stuff. Yeah. Well, there's first there's the the elephant. And there's elephant. <laughs> there's a scatological yeah, joke for the ages. Yeah. And, and and our introduction to to our leading man played by Diego Calva, who I'd never seen before. Handsome, debonair, charming. He's sort of our eyes and ears for this, and he falls for uh, at this party. Uh, the character played by Margot Robbie. And at the Q&A, Damien Chazelle reveals that he wanted to set a movie in this milieu at the transition of sound and, and silence, and that he wanted to show that a lot of people lost their shit during this period. You know, people committed suicide. People were not yeah. happy, you know? There's a, there's a, a surprisingly high body count in Babylon. Yes, there's a lot of death. <laughs> there was a lot a lot of, of, of unhappiness. So not just drug-related either. It's just like people are dying all over the place. Decadent, all yeah. of the above. So he saw a great milieu. But there is a danger. (laughs) There is a danger because he created the characters played by these actors um, and and created a story to carry a movie inside the milieu that he wanted to portray. He has a lot of fun portraying this milieu, but the story he's following isn't so strong. Yeah, it is. I think that's a good way of putting it. It it is sort of reverse engineered and narratively a lot of times you're because I mean, I don't know about you going into this. I was like, okay, three hours and eight minutes. Like, let's bring it. I want like every frame to count here. And there are moments where it falls into certain kind of plot twists where you're just sort of lost in this sort of contrived situation. And it's like, why? Why are we doing this now? Why are why are we in this moment? But he also doesn't pick the most interesting characters. Um, You know, yeah, we have Gene Smart playing a head of hopper. 
uh, Luella Parsons type. We have, you know, in a diff in a totally normal, you know, way, in the usual cliched way, we have, you know, Brad Pitt p playing um, a, a, a cinema idol. Uh, in, a, in again, in a normal cliched way, we we have um, Margot Robbie playing a, a Clara Bow um, flapper type. You know, it isn't directly inspired new. by Clara Bow. Yeah, but. Yeah. She's amazing. There are a lot of really strong performances. Even Brad Pitt in that character, who's actors a little underutilized, do their best. The very enjoyable. Fantastic. They're yeah. absolutely fantastic as best as best they can. But I, I, I would. So when Margot, but, but at our q &A, I don't know what they did at yours. Both Margot Robbie and Brad Pitt made it clear. I mean, Brad says to that the first thing he said to Damien was, "What are, what are you going to cut?" It was 180 pages, <laughs> and Damien said he was going to shoot a, a page. You know, a, a set. A, it would it would be one a page minute a minute per page, yeah, and that's what it was. Yeah. And he did it real, so it, it goes by very very fast. And then Margot Robbie basically suggested that she started at a very high over the top place and he made her go even farther then. And that's, I think accounts for some of the one note aspects of her character portrayal. I was often in awe of this movie, irrespective of, of these shortcomings, because it's just taking some big wild swings to represent a side of Hollywood that is not particularly well understood. And Chazelle, like Quentin Tarantino, who's now on this book tour is so knowledgeable about Hollywood history. I mean, you could have him on a tour lecturing about the era that inspired this movie and how the whole concept of pre-code Hollywood, you know, captured something about our culture. Him. Yeah, absolutely. I, I just feel like it's it's a great movie to experience and talk about. And I also have to say, I loved the ending. I thought it was really over the top and, and I won't spoil it. It's very divisive. A lot but of I like love it. A lot of people it. don't like it. It's it's I, so Spielberg's Fablemans. Maybe some people listening have seen that by now. I also won't spoil that. But it ends with a kind of a meta statement on filmmaking, and this one does too. In but it's so much more aggressive. I was almost like you could just that could be a short film unto itself, and I just had a blast with that. And I and love lots it, of references, that, a lot of homages yeah. to other films. But enough with that. I will say that there's a section of the movie. There's the there's the party at the beginning, the extraordinary bacchanal at the beginning, which is a tour de force of filmmaking. The filmmaking is amazing. That's the filmmaking, filmmaking is filmmaking not to be period. denied. Yeah, yeah. You know, anyone who gets a kick out of watching a director um, move the camera and and make, uh, you know, cinema it, it is going to have a blast with this movie. There's also a sequence with a rattlesnake later in the movie yeah. that I quite enjoyed. <laughs> that reminded it. me of Pulp Fiction a bit, actually. But so. the ultimate sequence for me in the first hour is the one where they go out to the desert and they're passing along, you know, looking at all these different movie sets uh, from, you know, kinescope pictures or right. whatever it is, and all these different directors, one of them played by Spike Jones in a memorable cameo, and 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 you get to see um, Margot Robbie's character, you know, get in front of a camera for the first time, and and you get to see Brad character do what he does, yeah. the magic that he does. Right. And you get to see our leading man, you know, heroically save the day by getting. But there's extras and vistas and movement. It's just an extraordinary piece of filmmaking. And. It's it doesn't sugarcoat stuff. I mean, it's one thing to be like, yeah, there was coke everywhere, which you could go either way. Is that an indictment or a celebration? But you remember how some people were upset with the Academy Museum not acknowledging Hollywood's history of racism. You de it definitely delves into that it deals kind with of that. stuff. 
in a way that I'm sure will be divisive, but also certainly doesn't shy away from it. It's a choice. There's one scene that's particularly disturbing and effective uh, on that front. Yeah. Yeah. So again, just just so much to dig into with this movie. I I felt like I was sort of at war with it as it went along in a way because it was like it is asking a lot. It goes in some directions that are less satisfying than you know the individual pieces, but it's you got ambition of, and vision. You talk about this extraordinary conclusion, but the the conclusion to the story itself, the characters and where they go, is less than satisfying. Yeah, hundred percent. And the, and there's something about kind of where it leaves everyone that's like it's very, a little underrealized. Yeah, it's sad, but it's also it's it's a little obvious cliche. Yeah, no, I was expect. Yeah. I looked, uh, you know, uh, whatever. I was saying, okay, they're going to do that, and they did that. Yeah. I am curious about. I I don't know offhand what the budget on this movie was, although while I'm staring at a computer, it's pretty screen, high. Yeah, but but I because I mean, yeah, you could see it on the screen, and it's amazing when someone gets away with so something not, like let's this. Go, but... Let's talk business sense, okay? Yeah, Paramount is thank you, Paramount, for making the movie. We yeah. want to applaud the studios every time they take a chance like this and bet on a filmmaker. Officially, it's, it's seventy-eight million, by the way. We can't help but think about Amsterdam as another example of a filmmaker who's indulged in a situation where he creates a movie that's a lot of fun. I actually got a huge kick out of it because he's a great filmmaker, David O. Russell. But there, he wasn't making a movie that was going to be a commercial hit. No, this is a much better movie, I would think. I would I would argue. <laughs> Fine. A better, more ambitious better. movie. Yeah. The other one is entertaining. This is entertaining in parts. It's it's not designed to please an audience. Yeah, I, I well, it, it like you say, there are some very satisfying moments. I think there's a there's a crowd pleaser in there. It's just so uncompromised. It's the auteur vision problem, right? That like it's not really designed to keep the audience engaged unless they're willing to kind of do that work. And yeah, I'm sort of fascinated by what would have the 120 minute version of this felt like feel and, and who goes to see a movie like this now anyway i mean the movie's almost kind of about that in a meta way not again i'm not going to tell you how it ends but this is a movie about the kind of frailty of the of the industry the challenges of making movies and, and how screwed up this industry always has been and how quickly it can change i mean it also is about the sound era and the way in which the sound era changes things. By the way, I was thinking about it because today it was announced that Michelle Hazanavisius is apparently turning the artist into a, a Broadway show or yeah. you know, and it's like that era continues to fascinate people. And the way it comes up here, I thought was quite eloquent. Uh, but again, general audience, why do they go? <laughs> there is a great sequence where they show the hazards of, of tr- the transition to sound. Yes, that, that was, was a it great, was great it was hilarious. It was hilarious. Margot, Margot Robbie's character is trying to make her mark, trying to do everything right, <laughs> and the sound guy's going out of his mind. <laughs> Who sneezed? Yeah, that was amazing. That was amazing. So then we have the awards question, which is even more complicated it seems because this movie was obviously set up in certain ways to be expected to be a big awards movie well, they're certainly on craft the end of the year and they're open it they were going to platform it now they're going wide i see why they're going wide they're right they're right to go wide it's this movie probably couldn't sustain a platform one and done kind of situation and build up good word of mouth that kind of thing that's what you need to be able to do in a platform release so this is going to go wide and um Maybe there will be enough curiosity to support it on on pay per view somewhere. I just don't see it doing well in theaters. It's a, it doesn't feel like a Christmas movie to me. 
<laughs> it's for some kind of people for the Kevin Brown law cinephile fan. movie. How yeah. many cinephile movies can this can this universe support? Can the system sustain? Even well, it's Fable funny because the Fablemans is made by a 75 year old filmmaker who's the most successful commercial director of all time, and this is by Damien Chazelle. It's like it's it's the gulf there is is significant too. Like you can't sell it on Chazelle's appeal. I mean, from the director of La La Land, only takes you so far. So so the box office will have a negative impact on the awards race. And I will suggest you, Bill Deswitz did a good story where he explained how well this could do in the, in the craft races. So this is one of the best made movies of the year. It's extraordinarily crafted. So there will be support on that side. I don't see any of the actors getting nominated. I mean, even if for you various had one, reasons. yeah, yeah, yeah. Even if you had one sort of outstanding, everyone rally around that performance it would potentially get canceled out i mean these are all competitive categories already they are and i just don't see it and and uh i don't see him getting in for director or screenplay or anything so it'll be a craft play which i don't see it getting into best picture well so so this is probably the the last kind of question here and i'm sure going to be a play right if you're if you get all that craft support isn't there potentially a a a slot with with 10 it's possible you're you know Guillermo got in with Nightmare Alley. If he could right. get in with Nightmare Alley, so could this. Um, but it would need passionate support. Right. Well, I'll be curious to see what the kind of the campaign looks like more broadly. I mean, who's doing the late night shows? How is it playing with more and more? I mean, I spotted some Academy people at the at the big New York screening that I went to in the evening, but I'm sure there's going to be a lot more to come. How many people are going to watch this whole thing on the Academy screening portal at home? And how is that going to translate? No, I mean, well, that's it's not the ideal place for so much stuff, but especially for these big kind of audiovisual spectacle. Well, I, I saw things. another movie at the Academy screening uh, at the Goldwyn the next night. I saw Knives Out. Um, you know, Glass Onion. Oh, you finally Knives caught Out up mystery. with that. That is a visual experience. That is a big scale movie that should be seen on the big screen. Now I get in the one week, so upset. The one week that Netflix is giving it. It Well, I mean, it is so made for theatrical that it isn't funny, and they're getting giving it that one week promo. Yeah, but I mean, Netflix has been very clear that its business model was not around theatrical. I don't want Netflix to change its business model. I have no interest, but I see why everybody got upset. Right. It's a movie that was made for theaters. And I am sure that this was a very long conversation. I mean, I interviewed Daniel Craig last award season when he was campaigning for Bond, and he said explicitly, I will fight tooth and nail to make sure this movie gets a theatrical because the Netflix deal had just kind of recently come together. So I don't know who fought and how hard they fought and what the kind of compromise was. But one week, obviously, you know, it's doesn't quite pretty, cut it doesn't really do much yeah. for it. No, but what do you think about the they'll get good word of mouth? It's a very entertaining popcorn. You enjoy movie. it. Yeah, it's an uh, extension Netflix of the is last pushing one. it for awards. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What do you think? Do you think this is an awards movie? I mean, Ryan Johnson got that Oscar and his only Oscar nomination was for the screenplay on the first one. And there's a lot of goodwill towards what Knives Out has been, which is an original franchise who done it in an age when it's really hard to create original franchises and who done it haven't had currency for generations you know so that if you spin it that way it feels like maybe there there is something there it's a it's a busy ensemble movie that's very tongue in cheek so it doesn't feel like a kind of traditional best picture movie to me i mean it's but it's uh, you know again it's a it's a crowd please if it was a big commercial hit in theaters 
maybe but that would be they the won't narrative. They will even be reporting but, numbers for that. Yeah, we won't. So they're not so, even going to get that kind of. Bump. Yeah, they can so sell. They sell, They can say they sold out. All right, great. You know. Yeah, but I certainly enjoyed watching it, and um, and I'm sure it will be very successful on Netflix. Sure. I mean, I've, I've I saw movie. trailers for that movie where people turned to each other in, in seats and were like, "Oh, I love Knives Out." You know, it really resonated more broadly, not as an arty movie. And I think that's, you know, rare to pull off. So so there's two other movies that are hitting theaters this weekend. And I completely love to, th them both. And by the way, there is another factor just because of what I happen to have seen lately. I went to see The Menu, finally. Mm -hmm. That's one of them. Yeah, finally I saw to it see, too. I went to see Knives Out, obviously. Um these are both about the same thing. Yeah, actually, that's funny. We even... pulling another group of weirdos who yeah. don't deserve to be treated well onto onto their uh, deserted island. Big distinction, uh, though. Knives Out Two is about crazy people pulling in some people onto their deserted deserted islands. The menu is a crazy movie. It's just crazy. The more I thought about it and everything that happens in it, I mean, I thought it was kind of messy, but I really enjoyed it. I thought it was like, very precisely executed. I didn't think it was messy at, some of the, at all. Some of the stuff the was very well done. Really. Yeah, well, it's a great satire of the fine dining it, world. It pays Ray off, Fiennes too. Is, yeah, Ray Fiennes is like this psychotic version of the guy who ran El Bulli or something. You know, like one of those like really like high-end dining establishments, but he's like crazy. And then Anya Taylor Joy is sort of like the the kind of the the survivor of sorts in in once it becomes a real horror movie. I thought that was a good pairing between the two of them. Uh but I loved it, her. It's a very I loved odd her and I love the face off odd. between her and the uh and 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 Ray Fines, they were a, it was a real power struggle, a real duo, a real death match. I loved it, and and I think it's a very successful movie, and I think it will be a successful movie. The other movie that's going out this weekend um, the, is is Bones and All, which is one of my favorite movies of the year, and I hope people go yeah. see it. And I have this fantasy Another, that it could you, be a hit. You're really you've got a lot of genre stuff on on, on your I, hit list. I, it is year. possible for me to appreciate a stylish it, horror. No, 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 no. I mean, and honestly, I've been arguing with people all season about who are like worried about Bones and All being too like gross for them. That it, it really is. It's you not. Just have it's to an arty. It. It's like heart, a vampire yeah. movie or something. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah. It's like you happen it, to yeah. have this problem. <laughs> it's like Twilight meets Malik, Terrence Malick or something. Like it. It definitely. I mean, there are a few moments where perhaps the squeamish might avert their eyes but they are literally a few moments yeah and it's i also i'd love to see it again knowing everything that i know now i mean i was not prepared for mark rylance in this movie his performance is so kooky and well, he sets and off you off balance and you have yes. no idea who he is what he is He's what scary. His threat really is and you find yeah. out yeah, that was a cool swing for him. And it's a road movie so people pop up in strange places that you don't expect Right. And let's not forget, Timothy Chalamet is definitely a movie star. We knew we knew he was. Tom Tom Brueggemann did a little story about how he compares to to Leonardo DiCaprio, which is, you know, fair because Leonardo started as a young heartthrob yeah. out of Titanic and crafted a career that went a long way and a, and a unique career. Yeah. No, no sequels. Right. No, really, he's sort of really top of the line all the way. Very focused. So I am curious about how any of this amounts to any kind of success for this movie. I mean, I guess we'll see. No, and I am curious how 
any of the attributes we're talking about here translate to commercial viability? I mean, certainly as an art house movie, it's it's a yeah, it's going to be an art house. Hit. Well. I mean, the question is how big and how far yeah. it can cross over. Right, it's MGM UA. So yeah. does the men and the menu should work too. Right, it's it's quite a those two going up against each other thematically. They have a they're lot going of, against the same audience. Actually, right. yeah. So you have MGM UA with with bones and all, and then the menu is Searchlight, one owned by Amazon, right? The other owned by um, uh, Disney, <laughs> technically going to Hulu eventually. So I am very uh, I am very interested in how. I mean, I, I imagine both will eventually find strong results in streaming but i am very interested in you know if you look at those two options which one you choose to go to the genre crowd in particular i mean it'd be a pretty crazy double bill but well, the thing um, about the both of them is that they have specialty pretensions you know they're not just mainstream horror films they're they're art house horror you know smart smart horror if you like yeah like, smarter yeah. <laughs> I think usually the term is elevated horror, but it's a terrible term. People I should hate that too. That. Yeah, it's very misleading. Yeah, I think they'll do well. I think they both, one is Searchlight, the other is MGM. You're right. The Menu is not an awards title. I wonder about Bones and All. Do you think uh, perhaps adapted screenplay? Yeah, it's based that on a would book? be the best shot for that it film. Could happen, it deserves right? it. Completely. And then Luca co-wrote that. Luca has so some bona fides with the yeah. Academy. They respect him. So you also finally caught up with Goodnight Oppie, I understand. <laughs> well, it this space not was very happy the about Critics it. Choice Awards, and I was I I, I felt obliged <laughs> to see. So it's an interesting uh, case of something. If it actually makes it, uh, it got like five awards, including yeah. best doc at the best feature at at the CCAs. If it gets into, if it gets nominated by the academy could win. it could win it could be the my you know my octopus teacher of this year it's but it's, it's not bad teacher. like my octopus teacher it it's isn't just bad very like my octopus teacher nor is it as good as the best films that are competing well best documentary but when you get to the main uh all the oscar voters voting at, at the nominations phase it doesn't matter if it's the best but, or not my favorite that documentary is Tugs Their Heartstrings. My favorite documentary, which is finally coming out, is All the Beauty of the Bloodshed. It it's is amazing. It's extraordinary. It's an incredible piece of filmmaking. Yeah. Good night, Oppie, I think, is also extraordinary filmmaking because of the way that it blends a, a, an incredible amount of archival material, which is the the kind of mission control stuff. Uh, where they were controlling this rover over the course of years and years. So with, they really did match it up with what happened at the time. Yeah, with first-rate CGI. CGI by ILM. So it's not just like the octopus teacher feel good thing. It's like Hollywood filmmaking chops plus really good documentary chops, which you rarely see come they together. Did a good job, but at the same time, it isn't really changing the form or challenging the form. But that's how it is, I think, because a lot of times when you see CGI and docs and IMAX releases, they go to like it's just the science a standard centers. kind of recreation. Yeah, but it's really well done. I know because I'm obsessed with the Mars rovers and this was very convincing. By the way, we finally launched a rocket to the moon this week, which is also super exciting. So lots of stuff going on on that front. It's very relevant. Hey, maybe this elevates Apollo 10 and a half in the animated uh, feature Oscar race too. It's the year of the space race movies, I'm telling you. Yeah, but, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. We'll see, but, we'll no, see. I agree that that uh, All the Beauty and the Bloodshed is, is the one to be. So good. But it isn't necessarily grabbing every you know possible nomination you know in the in the doc world 
Uh, you know, you'd think they would be all over it, and the Critics' Choice Awards didn't give it anything. I it wonder mean if it's that the Critics' Choice Awards are right. It means that no, they're, they're definitely not. They're wrong. View. But I also wonder if it's like there are some people who, if you're not receptive to say underground art and activism, you watch this movie and you're just like, yeah, that's nice, but it's not for me. I'm just trying to like understand the mindset of somebody who who doesn't respond to this movie and maybe well, it's just the some, world they don't like. The woman who the movie is about, Nan Golden, is nothing if not transgressive. Yes. And and so um uh most people will recognize the level of artistry that Laura Poitras brings to putting this whole story together on many different levels, weaving these different aspects of Nan Golden together. But there will be people who are going to be repelled. Yeah. But that's also part of the movie's point in a way. It's like, what I is know. it that's repelling you? So it's 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 exemplary filmmaking. Also on the doc side, by the way, out on Netflix this week is this new film by Jonah Hill called uh, Stutz. So did you uh, interview him? No. I interviewed Stutz, his therapist, and <laughs> because Jonah Hill is not doing interviews anymore. But- you should watch it. It's so, so remarkable. Stutz explains to you why that is the case. Yeah. And I mean, he's he's the one who helped Jonah arrive at the realization that he was getting all this anxiety from promoting himself. One of the producers on this documentary is Joaquin Phoenix, who recommended Jonah go to this therapist. And you'll recall Joaquin Phoenix had his own crisis with fame and then made that weird meta thing, I'm still here, which Stutz apparently also guided him through. So he has this history of kind of working with famous creative people who are having these challenges. And um, and basically, you know, he explained that Jonah Hill was a very sensitive guy early on. And there was all this stuff when he got famous for being funny, where people wrote about his weight and that made him uncomfortable. And then he got he more successful back in the day. Right. He, he, talked a lot of, he talked about some of this stuff. And then when he became, you know, Oscar caliber and respected, he had other kinds of crises. Like he, the way Stutz is explaining it, even as he got success, he was still not happy. And that made him even more unhappy. And so he's extricating himself from that process. We got news this week that supposedly he's going to direct another movie with Keanu Reeves. He's going to be fine. But it seems like it's also not uh, unusual. Plenty of actors who are just like him. Yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, the the, the documentary is worth watching because even though he's not promoting it, he is promoting it because he's in the movie. It's kind of structured as a single therapy session. But there are some surprises in terms of how that structure unravels. When is that going to show? Where will it be? It's on Netflix now. All right. I'll watch it. It It got a qualifying run already. So it's very quiet. It was supposed to play at festivals in the fall. And I, 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 from what I understand, that didn't happen because he wasn't there to promote it. So unfortunately, so the, it didn't the get that next long. movie that's coming up, um, which is screening now, and there have been some screenings. Um, I got invited to the premiere, but I think I can get to a screening sooner than that is Emancipation. It has Which begun. It's finally coming out. And Apple TV Plus is very excited about it. Um, and I'm curious, very yeah, curious to see how this is. I haven't got us, I haven't nailed down a screening yet, but I will. Yeah, I do expect to see that one soon. And uh, there's been such amazing reporting about the attempts to kind of resurrect Will Smith's image or potentially move past the image problems of Will Smith to let the movie kind of soar. And ultimately, we just need to see the damn thing and figure out if it's any good. Exactly right. It's really hard to tell based on the assets and all that kind of stuff. But I I feel like every industry party I go to, somehow this comes up. 
I mean, it's just accelerated and I'm, I'm fascinated to see how the conversation evolves past all this stuff, Yeah, but uh, Agreed. 100%. TBD. So we'll talk about that next week. We've got, we'll have Thanksgiving around the corner. Maybe we can come up with some good recommendations for people and uh, you know, onward. See you yeah. soon, Ann. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.